Well, can I encourage you to please have Psalm 19 open in front of you? It's 552. If you can have that in front of you, it'll be really helpful as we come to look at 7 to 11 together. Let's pray again and just ask God to speak to us again. Father, we've just been singing that we would like you to speak to us. And Father, from the bottom of our heart, that is what we desire just now in this time as we come to hear your word preached and to to look at what it says. Uh, Father, I pray that for some of us this morning, just looking at this passage would transform our view of the scriptures and would give us all a renewed zeal to be in them and to have them in our lives. But Lord, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's the second week of January, and in January we make New Year's resolutions and we plan things for the new year. And one of the things that many people do is we decide that we're going to have less of certain things in the coming year. So maybe we decide we're going to have less calories this year, or less alcohol this year, or less time in front of the TV this year, or less time on social media, or less smoking if you're a smoker, or less shopping if you're a shopper. That's what we do in January, isn't it? We sort of look ahead and we say, this year is going to be different. This year, I'm going to have less of certain things. But this morning, really what I want to encourage you to do is to have more of one thing. That I want you to encourage you this year in 2020, the year where you get more of something in your life. And what is that more thing? It's more of the Bible more of God's Word. This year, I want to encourage you to get more of God's Word into your mind and into your heart and into your lives. But why? Why should we? Well, the answer is very simple. The answer is because the Bible, God's Word, is good for us. One of the things that we know from science, don't we, is that fruit and vegetables are really, really good for us. We eat fruit and vegetables and the nutrients and the vitamins, they really help us in our life. And the water from fruit and vegetables, it helps us to stay hydrated. Basically, we eat fruit and veg because it's really, really good for us and it nourishes us physically. Well, that's what the Bible does. And in Psalm 19, that's basically what the writer is trying to tell us in verses 7 to 11. As we read Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, it's like the writer who's David is trying to say this, listen, you see God's word, it is so, so good. And if you read it, if you get it into your lives, it's going to be really good for you, a bit like fruit and vegetables is for you physically. And we see that throughout it. And, and this morning, all I want to really do, it's very simple, is from, from these verses, just point out some of the benefits that God's Word will have in your life if you decide to nourish yourself on it regularly. Uh, and the first one is this. The Bible recharges us. I don't know about you, but I am completely and utterly useless without my phone. I'm one of these people who now is totally reliant on my phone for so many things in life. So you see, if I'm going somewhere that I don't know, it's my phone that I put up in the windscreen. Do any of you do that? You use it as a sat-nav. And if my phone isn't working, if it dies, I'm in trouble. Likewise, if I, if I need to know something quickly, I get onto Google on my phone like this morning when we played that game, totally and utterly reliant on my phone. And so whenever I'm out and about... And I look at my phone, and I see the battery only has 1%. I panic. I worry. And you know what my phone does? It goes goes kind of dim. Does your phone do that? When you get into low battery, the screen just dims a little bit. 
and you put it into low power mode and it doesn't vibrate anymore and, and it doesn't function quite the same. Do, do you do that? That's what happens, isn't it, with our phones whenever the battery dies, when it starts to go down. It dims and it doesn't quite work properly. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my Christian life like that. Can you relate to that from a Christian perspective? Do you ever experience that times whenever you're just not quite shining as bright as you used to for Christ? Times whenever you're struggling to function as a Christian the way you used to? Times when following Jesus, it just feels like a slog and a chore? Can you ever relate to that? Can you ever relate to just feeling like your spiritual batteries are just draining down, 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 getting very, very low? Of course you can. Because there's times when we all feel like that. But one of the lovely things about this psalm is that what it says is that if you feel like that, if you feel like your spiritual batteries are being drained, if you feel like you're dimming as a Christian, what it says is that God's Word can revive you. That God's Word, that the Bible can recharge you. And you see it right in verse 7. Have a look with me there. David calls it the law of God, the teachings of the Lord. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. And then look what he says it does, reviving the soul. Reviving the soul. It brings life back into the soul. Just like a phone charger brings life back into the mobile phone, that's what David says the Bible does in our lives. It brings us back to life spiritually. The Christian life, folks, it's like the tide. It goes through different kind of motions. And there's some times in our lives when it feels like the tide is very far out. It feels like we're far from God. It feels like we're low in our energy and our spiritual vigor. But what David is saying here, he says, if you get the Bible into you, if you get God's word into you, it's going to bring the tide back in. It's going to bring you back to feeling that closeness with God again. It's going to revive you spirits. It's going to recharge your batteries. Folks, if you're here this morning and you resonate with that feeling of being dim and feeling spiritually drained, Maybe you're even here this morning and you're worried that you're not even going to be a Christian in a couple of years. You feel so low in your faith. What this passage says is that the Word of God can revive you. So that's the first benefit. It refreshes us. It revives us. It recharges us. The second thing that David says, though, is that the Bible also brings us gladness. It brings us happiness. It brings us joy. I don't know if you experience this, but as I go around my everyday life, I find there are just so many things to make me miserable. <laughs> you watch the news. You know, you wake up happy and then you turn the news on for your breakfast and you, and you watch five minutes of the news and already you're in a kind of downer, aren't you? And then you go into work and you start talking to your colleagues and, and they start complaining about how things are in their lives and and they start moaning about the different things that are going on. And some of them are awful things that you really resonate with. And, and you're brought down again. And then you go through life and things go wrong and things don't go right. And it can be very easy to feel down. So many things that can make us feel miserable and sad. Do you experience that? 
For me, I experience that. Every day, things that can bring me down. But what the Bible says, what this psalm says, is that in the desert of downness, there is an oasis where we can find joy. In our everyday lives, in, in this world we go through where there's so many things to bring us down and make us sad, the writer of this psalm says that there is a place where we can find joy. And have a look. You see it in verse 8. Have a look with me there. He says, The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Another wee translation says, giving gladness to the heart. I like that. God's word, he says, if you, if you get it into you, if you start to eat it, if you start to nourish yourself on it, he says, you're going to find that it gives you joy. You're going to find that it gives you happiness. Now, let me just clarify something here. It's not that every part of the Bible will bring you joy and happiness when you read it. I mean, there, there are some parts of the Bible... And if you read them, especially in the Old Testament, there's some lists of kind of genealogies and there's some lists of things. And if you read it, it's not really going to bring you joy. It's probably just going to give you minor boredom. There's some parts of the Bible that are not exciting, that are not kind of riveting to read. But if you take the bits of the Bible that you know, if you take the bits of the Bible that bring particular joy, if you take the bits of the Bible that are true, if you take its core truths, and you take those with you into your life, and you take those with you as you live out your every day, then it's going to bring you joy. How does that work? Well, think of that day when nothing's worked out right. Think of that day when everything that could go wrong goes wrong. You, you know those days, don't you? You know, the car breaks, you forget your lunch, everything goes wrong that could go wrong. Well, what difference would it make if you were to have God's word running through your mind? Maybe a verse like this, all things work together for the good of those who love God. All things work together for the good of those who love God. Can you see how that might bring you joy? Father, this has been a miserable day. Everything has gone wrong. I'm utterly frustrated. But Lord, I'm glad to know that in some way you're going to use this for my good. Lord, I'm so glad to know that even though this has been a disaster of a day, somehow you're going to use this for good in my life and in the lives of others. Maybe you're going to use it to make me more like Jesus. Lord, thank you that even though it's been a disaster of a day, that you've promised you're going to work out even these things for my good. Can you see how that could start to bring us joy? Or when you look at the news and you see all the awful things happening, and you look at the news and it looks like there's no hope for this world. Imagine meditating on the words of Christ in Revelation. Behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. Imagine thinking about that. You know what, Lord? This world is in a mess. But thank you that I have hope that the Lord is coming again and he's going to fix everything. Can you see how it can bring us joy in our every day if we, if we take the words of the Bible and we think about them as we go through our lives in every and any situation? There are parts of the Bible that if we meditate on will make our hearts glad, will bring us joy. 
Then we come to two other benefits, which I'm going to merge into one because it makes sense too. But, but another benefit of the Bible is that it gives us great wisdom and good guidance. Do you see what he says in the second half of verse 7? The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Now, the simple there, that just means people who, who need wisdom and don't know where to look. And that's all of us. It's going to make us wise. It gives us wisdom. And then again, in the other part of um, verse, verse 8, if you look there, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. And, and the image of light in the Bible is the image of guidance. The, the way is lit up in front of you. The Bible, David says, will give us wisdom. It's going to help us make good choices. It's going to help us make good decisions. And the Bible is also going to guide us. Let me ask you a question. Where do you go for guidance and wisdom? Where do you go? I mean, if I was to look at your life and and you needed some guidance or, or you needed some help in making a decision, where do you go? It's interesting, children, when they're young, they they go to their parents. Teenagers, they go to their peers. And now as adults, if you're my generation, you go to Google. Google has the answer. That's the reality of if you're my generation, or you, you go to the internet, and if you need help with something or you need guidance, you go on the internet and you search for it. But sometimes the internet this doesn't give us particularly good guidance. Google does not have the best of answers. You know, so you, I mean, you have that headache. You know that headache you've had? And you go to your doctor and your doctor says, listen, it's nothing major. It's just a migraine. Just go and sleep in a dark room for a day. It'll be away. But no, you go home and you go on to Google and you're convinced you need a brain scan because you're, you're convinced you've got a tumor. You know, it doesn't give the best answers. Or maybe you're having a, a relational difficulty with somebody. They're, they're giving you a hard time. They've made your life difficult. They've done something on you. And you go on to Google and what does it say? It says, cut them out. If there's toxic people in your life, just cut them out. The internet doesn't have the best answers. And neither do our friends. And neither do our family. But there is a place where we can find really good answers. A place where we can find the right answers. A place where we can find the best wisdom. A place where we can find the clearest and straightest guidance for life. And David says, it's in the Bible. If you want guidance on something, if you look hard enough, if you study the word, you'll find some things that God will guide you through it. And folks, that's what I want to encourage you to do with the Bible is to let it guide your steps and to guide your path. And maybe you're here this morning and you have a big decision to make. Maybe you're here this morning and you've got decisions to make that are going to impact your life and the lives of others. Maybe you're thinking through topics or issues. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're looking for guidance and wisdom and you need to make a decision about something, don't make that decision until you know what God says about the thing you're deciding about. Sometimes um, Emma sends me to Tesco's to get things for her. Or I'm going to Tesco's and on my way out the door, she'll say to me, hey, listen, whenever you go there, will you get this for me? So sometimes, you know, I might be leaving and say, Morty, um, listen, you're going to Tesco's. Will you just get the cheese we need for tonight? And of course, I say, no problem. I'll get the cheese you need for tonight and I'll leave for Tesco's and, and I'll be in there. And I'll fill my, my basket with the things that I'm there to get. 
And then I'll remember what Emma said. Marty, get the cheese we need for tonight. And I think to myself, what cheese am I meant to get? Is it the cheese that's grated for the lasagna? Or are we having people around and we're going to be very Bangorian and have a cheese board? You know, what is the cheese I need to get? And do you know what the worst thing I can do is? Just pick the wrong cheese. What, what the best thing I can do in that situation is it's to get my phone out. And to phone Emma and say, Emma, what cheese is it you need? What, what is the right cheese to get? I, I, can't, I can't remember. I'm not sure what cheese I'm supposed to get. And then she'll tell me and I'll get it. And that's how it's meant to be. Obviously not with cheese. That's maybe a terrible illustration. But here it is. We, we've got these choices in front of us. We've got paths in front of us to take. We've got decisions to make. And what we could do is just ploy ahead without considering what God says. Or we could call him up. We, we could look at his word and see what he has to say about the decisions we're making. And this year I want to encourage you to be those who, who get into the Bible because it's going to guide you and lead you the best way that you can go. Uh, the last benefit I want to point out, and there are others, but we, we don't have a lot of time this morning for all of the others, uh, is just one more I want to point out. And it's this, is that whenever we get the Bible into us, whenever we read it and understand it, it will keep us from harm. Now, we live in a world, don't we, where, where health and safety has gone a bit mad. Anyone notice that? And um, One of the most hilarious places to see health and safety going mad is looking at warning labels on things. I kid you not, Nidol, any of you use Nidol? You know, the, the sleeping medication. If you read the box of Nidol, do you know what it says on it? This may make you drowsy. <laughs> not, not a joke. I'm not even joking. And Vidal Sassoon, if you look at their hairdryer boxes, this is not a joke. It says, do not use while sleeping. I mean, who dries their hair while sleeping? I guess it's a fire hazard. Uh, and this is another one, which is just an absolute cracker. Go and get your six eggs. Now, I don't know, I haven't checked this out. I know on some boxes it is. Get your six eggs from Tesco's. I feel like I'm advertising Tesco's this morning. Do you know what it says on the packet? May contain eggs. <laughs> I mean, what's that all about? Some warnings are, are just stupid and, and they're, they're silly and, and really they shouldn't be there. But there are some warnings, aren't there, that actually save us from harm. There are some warnings that, that we need in order to save us from hurting ourselves or hurting others. And folks, that's the warnings that God gives in the Bible. He gives us warnings that protect us and protect those around us. And you see David saying that in verse 11. Look what he says there. He says, by them, by your word, your servant is warned. Now, we don't really like warnings. We think they're out to spoil our fun but not the warnings we find in the Scriptures. The warnings we find in the Scriptures are there to help us in our lives, to protect us from harm, and to protect those around us. And in the Bible, you'll, you'll see two different types of warnings. You'll see God telling us things that we shouldn't neglect to do, and you'll see God telling us things that we shouldn't get involved in doing. And they're brilliant. Remember the Sabbath. Don't neglect rest, God says. Don't neglect taking a day off. 
Don't neglect having some downtime. We live in a busy world where it's a million miles an hour all of the time, and I guess all of us are tempted to neglect resting because we're so busy having to get stuff done. But if we keep going without resting, we're, we're going to burn out, we're going to get unhealthy, it's going to affect us and our families and our friends. And so God, he warns us and he says, listen, don't neglect having a rest. Don't neglect your spouse and your family. Don't neglect spending time with them, loving them, cherishing them, encouraging them, teaching them. Don't neglect them, God tells us in his word. Don't neglect working hard. Don't be a sluggard. You know, get up and get on with it and work hard. Don't neglect that. There's so many things that God tells us and warns us not to neglect, all for our good. And likewise, there's things he tells us not to do. Things he warns us against doing that if we do will be harmful to ourselves and harmful to those around us. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't tell lies about someone. There's this idea that God is some sort of cosmic killjoy. There's this idea that God has given people lots of rules, which are just terrible rules to follow. But what the lovely thing is that whenever you look at God's rules, they're good. And they're there to protect us from harm and to protect those around us. And folks, what I want to encourage you to do this year is to read the Bible. And as you see him giving instructions and rules, to think about them. To think about the difference they'd make if you kept them. And then to obey them. To obey them. Folks, can you see how it's a bit like fruit and vegetables? Can you see it? Good for us. It benefits us. It'll be good for us this year if we get the Bible into our lives. It's going to be good for us. But one of the questions I think maybe we're, we struggle with is, well, how do we do that? And I guess that's the, the second and, and very quickly the last part of this sermon is how do we do this? And, and this morning I've got a, a few resources that I've got for you to help you. But let me suggest a number of things we can do to get the Bible into your lives this year. And the first one is this. It's to hear it. It's to make sure that you're getting plenty of hearing God's word in your life. And how do you do that? You, you come to church. That's one way. Every week you come here on a Sunday morning, the Bible will be read and the Bible will be preached. I can't vouch for the quality of the preaching some weeks, but it will be preached and it will be read and it will be explained. And this year I want to encourage you, why not make it a really aim to get out to church as often as you can? To, to make the effort to come out just to hear the word of God and to hear what God has to say. And if you struggle to get out in the morning, why not come to the evening? Because again, the Bible is read and the Bible is preached there. You'll hear God's word in the evening service too. And maybe you're regular at the morning and you'd like to hear more of God's word this year. Why not make it an aim to come to both? But find opportunities to hear the word of God preached and read more regularly. Maybe you're into podcasts. Why not subscribe to a really good Bible teaching podcast? Why not listen to the likes of Alistair Begg or, or John Piper or, or Tim Keller? Why not go and listen to a few really good preachers and have more of God's word in your ear this year? So that's one way. We, we can take more time to hear the word of God. Uh, another thing we could do this year is decide to read God's word, to read the Bible. Um, th there's lots of different ways you could do this. If you're new to the Bible, what I don't suggest is starting at Genesis and trying to work your way through because it's hard going, especially when you get to Leviticus and Numbers. Hard going. 
But if you're exploring the faith or you're new to the Bible, why not take the book of Mark? It's 16 chapters. And just take a month and read it and and see what God says to you through it and and find out about Jesus through it. Or maybe you're like me and you you want a, a bigger knowledge of the Bible and you'd like to read through it systematically. Why not read it over a period of time? Um, I, I've tried various things, and one of the things I've, I've tried most often is to read the Bible in a year. But you know what? That's actually really difficult. To, to read the Bible in a year, if you miss two days, the amount of work you've got to do to catch up is hard. So what I'm doing at the minute, and what I'd encourage you to do, is to consider reading the Bible in two years. It takes between seven and ten minutes a day. Seven and ten minutes a day. And what's lovely is that if you miss a day, it's only going to take you an extra seven to ten minutes to catch up. Uh, now, maybe you're wondering how to do that. Later on, on, on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, um, I've got a little post that's going to come up with a resource that will give you the, the Bible readings for two years. Um, if you're not on Facebook but you'd like to do that, if you say to me at the end, um, I'll find a way to get that plan into your hands. But, but why not read it this year and the year after and the year after? Why not make a point of reading it? But maybe here, and, and you're not particularly good at reading, the lovely thing is you can now get audio Bibles online, so you could have it open in front of you and have the audio Bible in your ear, and someone will read it to you as you read it in the passage. But I want to encourage you this year, why not, why not get into reading the Bible? Okay, another thing you might want to do is to study the Bible. Um, we read for breadth, don't we? We read to get a, a big kind of overview of what's happening. But to study something means to really mine it for its meaning. And this year, why not make a a point of studying the Bible from time to time? Why not take half an hour every week where you're going to really dig into a little passage and really get into the details and really come to understand it? Now, I recognize that's hard. And so I've produced a little resource, and it's out in the foyer for anyone who wants it. And it's a little resource of how you might study the Bible, and it's sitting out there. It's very simple. You you take a passage, and you pray, you ask God to speak to it, And then you use these five symbols to get into it. So you read the passage and and you look for the light bulb. What is the thing that stands out to you? What's the thing from that passage that that just resonates with you straight away? And you write that down. That's the thing that stood out to you. Then there's the question mark. What questions are you? Do you have about the passage? What do you not understand about it? And again, you write those questions down and then you go and try to find the answers. Then there's the symbol of the cross. What does it tell me about Jesus? What does this show me about Christ? Then another little arrow that's pointing towards you. What does it tell me about myself or or what difference should it make to my life? And then the last little uh, symbol is a speech bubble. Who should I share this with? Now I've run through that so quickly, you've definitely not taken it in. But if you take one of these on the way out, it's all explained here and there's a little template for you to use. But why not take time this year to study the Bible occasionally? Not just to skim over the surface, but to go deep and to understand it. And the last thing that I want to encourage you to do is to to maybe take time this year to meditate or to memorize parts of the Bible. Um, We're not Buddhists. And if you were to speak to a Buddhist and say, what is meditation? They say, oh, it's the clearing of your mind. It's just emptying your mind of everything that's in it. Well, to meditate in the Bible is the opposite. To meditate in the Bible, it's to fill your mind with Scripture. It's to have in your mind scripture that as you go through your day, you're, you're thinking of over and over and over again. Um, this is a bit gross, but do any of you know how cows eat? If you know this, it's disgusting. But basically, cows, they, they take grass into their mouth, and then they swallow it into one of their stomachs, and then they bring it back up again, 
and they chew it some more, and then they put it down again, and then they bring it back up, and they chew it some more. Now, that's a gross picture, but that's kind of what meditating on the Bible is. It's taking a piece of the Bible, and it's digesting it, and it's regurgitating it, and thinking about it, and bringing it down again, and up, and, and into your mind constantly through the day. And this year, why not do that? Why not take a little bit of the Bible every week, one part of the Bible a week, and let that be your scripture for the week that you think about as the week goes on? And again, maybe you're wondering, how do I do that? Well, very handily, on the other side of your piece of paper are 52 verses, one for each week of the year, that you can maybe take this year and and meditate on or memorize. Um, And I know we're a mix of generations in here, so some of them are NIV, the Northern Ireland version. Some of them are ESV, the extremely sound version. And some of them are the KJV, which I know some of you like. Um, But why not take this and, and take a verse a week and think about it and meditate on it and let God's word really get in to your life. This morning, folks, the, the Bible has great benefits to us. The Bible is like fruit and vegetables. But let me tell you something. You see the thought of eating fruit and vegetables to me? I don't really like it. The thought of eating fruit and vegetables to me, for, for some reason in my mind, there is this mental block where I just don't want to eat them. And what's really interesting is that my guess is that as you sit here this morning and you hear about the benefits of the Bible and you hear how to do it, there's still maybe that block. There's something within you just doesn't want to do it. Something within you just doesn't want to go there. What's that all about? I don't know. It's the same with me and vegetables. But you know what? You see, whenever Emma actually twists my arm and makes me eat them, do you know what I find? I find I actually love the taste of them. Steamed carrots. Delicious. Broccoli. Okay, maybe not broccoli. But you ever have that experience? Fruit and veg, you don't like it, but then whenever you actually taste it, when you put it in your mouth, when you eat it, you go, do you know what? I don't know why I was so resistant to eat it. It's actually really good stuff. And here's what will happen to you, and I promise you this will happen. It happens to everybody. Is that if you're here this morning, and, and the idea of reading the Bible, you feel like me and vegetables, here is honestly what will happen. You see when you start to get into it, You see, when you sit down and do it, you're going to be like this. Do you know what? That was really good. I really enjoyed that. I really liked that. And that's what David says. He says, your words to me are sweeter than honey. Honey was the ancient equivalent of chocolate. You know what, God? I've started to find your word like chocolate to me. I look forward to it and a delight in it and it's good. As you know, um, I'm going off to study discipleship this week, and I've been involved in discipleship groups for a number of years. Um, One of the things that we do in the discipleship groups is one of the first weeks we talk about the Bible, and we talk about reading it and getting into it, and everyone sort of has that feeling of, oh, like, like vegetables, I know I need to do it, but I don't really want to. And what I'm amazed by is that almost every time after someone starts to read it, they come back. And they say, I love that. I'm so glad to be doing this. Folks, this year, this week, today, tomorrow, start sometime. 
But take that first bite of the Bible. Take it and let it nourish you and encourage you and challenge you and shape you and bring you joy. It'll be good for you. Let's pray together. Father, you know our hearts are for some reason reluctant to read the Bible. Uh, You know our hearts are inclined to, to not want to be in it. And yet, Lord, this morning you tell us so clearly of the benefits of it. And you even tell us, Lord, that when we do that, when we start to get into your word and to get your word into us, that we'll find it delightful and sweet to the taste. Father, I pray for myself this year and I pray for everyone sitting here that as we start to nourish ourselves again more regularly and fully on your word, that you would encourage us and shape us and give us true joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.